Donald, do you find your fantasy stories all seem rather similar? Like they all have the same inspiration? Boy, do I, David. Every time I try to write a fantasy story, I get caught in a trap made of mithril and shelob webs. No matter how hard I try, I always end up using elves, dwarves, dragons, knights, magical jewelry, and precious grabbing gray goblin-like goons. There's gotta be a better way. There certainly is, Donald. Many writers like you fall into the same trap when writing fantasy, but no longer will you be a halfling caught in a giant's den. Introducing the D-Tolkienifier, the device that sucks out all the obvious Tolkien ripoffs from your fantasy story and creates a more original, less derivative piece of writing. Whoa, that's so cool! I mean, Tolkien was an amazing writer and came up with an amazing world, but it's too easy to just take all of his ideas rather than come up with new stuff. Indeed it is. For many fantasy writers, there's one type of story to rule them all that in the darkness binds them. That's where the D-Tolkienifier comes in, clearing your stories of the ripoffs and replacing them with newer, fresher material. But how does it work? One does not simply yank the Tolkien-inspired elements out of a fantasy story. I'm glad you asked. Here are some fellow writers whom this incredible device has aided. Hi, I'm a typical teenage fantasy writer. Originally, my story suffered from the same Tolkien-inspired elements like elves and dwarves, but one quick use of the Tolkienifier replaced them with magical elemental spirits and pint-sized iron automatons. Immediately, my story seemed so much more successful in its ambition. I was no longer struggling in the trappings of Tolkienism. Hey man, I'm a New Zealand filmmaker. Ever since I directed a Tolkien-inspired trilogy of movies, I've been stuck creatively trying to come up with something new. Thanks to the D-Tolkienifier, I've directed monster movies and dramas about death that nobody's seen, and I gotta say, I feel like a new Kiwi. Whoa, that's so cool! I'm getting the D-Tolkienifier right away! Now I can come up with something new. Ooh, what if instead I wrote a story about dinosaurs with laser guns? Uh, well, that, uh, <clears throat> certainly isn't a Tolkien ripoff, but, uh, that might be a bit much still. Eh, you're probably right. The D-Tolkienifier, keeping readers everywhere from being bored of the rings. Welcome, fellow nerds, to another episode of The Ritwit, the show where two writers who are definitely better than you prattle on endlessly about dinosaurs and superheroes and sometimes writing, who knows? <laughs> Well, I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. I am. Oh, man, this this podcast. This podcast. <laughs> so, so professional. That's our <laughs> motto other than us two twits talking about ridding in a professional and timely manner. Uh, very, very professional. <laughs> anyway. Well, we're more timely. Uh, just to recap, listeners coming to us, why, why is there another episode out so soon? We talked about a new format last time. Go back and listen to that again. But we're here yes, this week. Yes, we're doing it. We're doing a weekly thing, different topics for for every four weeks. And this one, we're talking about the alignment system. And as we mentioned last time, we're not going to do what we would have written or what will we rip off in this month at every episode. We did our what we will rip off from this month last episode, and we'll, we'll do what we would have written for next episode. You're absolutely right. Which means we don't have a normal segment to fill. Maybe we need to make one. But for now, we don't. So let's move on. But here, here's our normal segment. Matt picks his nose. <laughs> oh, my God. Which, which Matt? Yes. <laughs> Did you pick your nose, David? Just keep in mind. I'm picking mine. Just keep in mind. It could be both. <laughs> oh, there's a booger in here. It's really big. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. 
All right, that's the end of our new, new segment. Matt picks his toes. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, one of these times, if we do that consistently, I'll end up I'll end up giving myself a bloody nose, and I will so not like you for that. <laughs> Don't pick it that hard. <laughs> you take everything seriously, even if it's the Matt picks his nose segment. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> okay. Now that we've done our classic episode uh, segment, we do every week. Now that we've done our classic filler, yeah, <laughs> we've defilled our noses. So. <laughs> 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 All right, but we're back to the alignment system. So this week, uh, you might be able to tell from the title that we're going to be talking about how to write good and neutral alignments, yes, whether they're lawful, chaotic, or whatever. Out of the nine so. uh, th- types of characters that we talked about last time on the alignment grid, we're going to do five of them. Uh, lawful, good, up to true, neutral. Correct. W- wait, that's... Oh, okay, got it. We're going to do five. For some reason, I thought it was six. No, it is only five. You're right. So <laughs> Sorry. No worries. <laughs> I'm leaving that in about uh, Or maybe I yeah. am. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe you will. We'll find out. <laughs> we will see. We will see. This is uh Anyway, so we now. shall start with, uh, as we did last time, with lawful good. Sure. And these are hard for me. They're, they're too boring. Well, but they, they can also be fun, I guess, when they're done in kind of an antagonistic sort of way, even though they're good. Like, uh, the relationship between a lawful good and a chaotic good is often quite interesting. That is true. I do want to throw something out. Like, though, if there are two maybe characters if you're having that trouble with lawful... Way, yeah. Right, right. No, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, with lawful good characters, it's almost kind of better if they're not the main protagonist. Like, if they're a dude or agonist, if they're somebody that's there as a side character, then it's probably okay. You know, if they don't need as much character development. But, like, when we talked about classifying heroes in... What episode was it? Uh, I don't know. Oh, my God, I stumped you. Hold on, I'm going to go look at my list of episodes <laughs> on the website. <laughs> so professional. That's okay, I, I called that up pretty suddenly. Types of Heroes, episode 27. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, uh, when we talked about the perfect, you know... Yes. There's not much growth room for these characters because they're i mean how, how do you improve on somebody who's already upstanding citizen of law follows the rules you know does work for the greater good stuff like that however one source of conflict that you might use is having the law be kind of weird but they follow it anyway without really thinking yes well like um i think a good difference between this and like neutral is that if you uphold all these laws and honors and such, it, it sets a proper example for others. True. This is this is why, and I guess we'll get to this in another episode, Superman is a great example because he's the ideal to strive towards. Fair. That's what that's what he tries to be for humans. So Um, one thing we should mention before we go too much further, a lot of our research has been called from two different sources. Yes, we should also mention Donald this. is using TV tropes. I am using a site called Easy Domus. Uh, the alignment system originally came from D&D, and so this site that I'm using is a guide for, you know, DMs, players, etc., and about, you know, working on your characters and whatnot. Of course, TV Tropes talks about cliches through all kinds of media, so they have a pretty decent section on alignment as well. Yes. So we will probably quote things from there. If you want more information, go to those places. We'll have links in the description as well. Uh, mainly, but, I'm going to keep the description, links in the description in the first episode of the set, so... 
Just, just, oh, so we'll just okay, not make so it too cluttered. To so go to, to that. Uh, to, you'll well, have to go episode 30 of the Ritwit. Ding! To find that. <laughs> Indeed. Uh. So, uh, one thing that I did uh, get through in my research, though, and I want to share this with all of our listeners, of course. is there is there is something on the website about how this, this alignment fill in the blank is the best how this alignment is the most dangerous or could ostensibly be read as the worst right so since we're talking about lawful good we'll start there the best thing about lawful good characters they combine honor with compassion yes absolutely they uh they're the ones that like i don't know (laughs) i'm tired (laughs) there are some uh, there, there was a psychologist. I'm mentioning this now because I'll probably reference it throughout the rest of these as well. There was a psychologist by the name of Schwartz. I can't remember his first name. Who there? Who established that there are ten motivations for anybody? Yes, ten motivations. And if you want to, you could superimpose these motivations over the alignment chart whether it's a ring model or whether it's the typical grid, although it works better if it's a ring. However, (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and read those off. And these kind of stand on their own. So hopefully you don't need too much more explanation. But again, if you do, please take a look at Easy Domus. I'm sure they do quote their their research too. For lawful good, the motivations are conformity, tradition, and benevolence makes sense so you find these characters on the quote-unquote path of integrity yes um so so this is more i guess defining it as well these are all more defining it so i guess how would you write that like if you had a character who is lawful good yeah i think you well again as i said if as i said earlier if you enable some conflict you know, like internal conflict between what seems sensible to the rest of their party versus what the law says. Yeah. Like I, you could mind that for example, for an example, well, like, but yeah, there isn't much room for them to like grow throughout your story unless it's like challenging them to go away from that alignment. Well, I, one thing I did. So in my third Megazoic book, uh, the hunted ones buy on amazon.com, um, there's a re- one of the big conflict big is between uh, Quinn and Cortan. While Quinn is not the main antagonist of the book, she is indirectly a antagonist in some ways. Uh, for a which, for a major- for some of it. Um, I guess I'm trying not to spoil it. I guess it's kind of a spoiler, but um, uh, you know what? You know it'd be really funny if we had like a siren sound effect for spoilers. <laughs> We need that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, no, I'm serious. Like, we've got the foghorn for the future stuff. we got a siren for spoilers. Okay, fine. We've so got the ding for... Spoilers <laughs> incoming! <laughs> Something like that, yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> anyway. So, um, Quinn is the lawful good. Cortan is the chaotic good. Um, sure. Their relationship throughout it, like, their struggle is... A majority of the conflict. I'm not going to say what happens or why, but... So we didn't need the spoiler siren? Yeah, but the, spy- <laughs> the siren's going away. Woo! <laughs> it passed by. We don't need to worry about it. Passed by. Someone else's no, problem. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, oh, okay. So to... what I did with this, 
the the conflict was resolved not by the lawful good character becoming less lawful good, but by the two of them coming to a compromise. All right, that's the way that that arc was resolved. That's the growth True. that the lawful good character went through. She looked, she kind of figured out that she didn't have to go quite as far as she did, but she still upholds the law. She just learns to compromise. I quoted this last episode, but again, to throw it out, few people are completely consistent when it comes to alignment. Yes. One thing I do want to throw out, and I love this line, quote, it is not a straight jacket for restricting your character, close quote. Makes sense. (laughs) So, I mean, obviously, when you're playing D&D, which of course is the whole thing, you know, players try to wrestle with, but I want this character to do the lawful good thing, and it's a absolutely can limit them if they're not careful with it yeah and there's a thing in the D play i mean obviously every single game is different but there's a thing during the session that you can have what are called alignment checks hmm, that's a good so thing. if you do so if you do something the dm the dungeon master can say well you did this does it fit your alignment do we need to change the you on the scale such that your alignment is no longer the same Right. I, there's a lot more information on that at Easy Domus, and I don't know D and D well enough because uh, I really should have brought Lexi along to do these episodes. She plays D and D. If you want to hear more of her, full listen disclaimer. to episode 24 of the Ritwit. Ding. Full disclaimer: I have not played D and D, but I do know of quite a few people who have, and they always talk about it as a fun experience. So you know, some point maybe if I have the chance. Mm-hmm. However, point being that you know the actions they make can have a lasting impact on the alignment. Right. Now, I'm not saying that Quen's alignment or Cortan's alignment in this example that explicitly changed. Yes. But it could. Yes. So if you're having trouble with a character, challenge them. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the whole point. Force of, them that's what to make, make decisions. Con- makes conflict so fun. It's it's a challenge. It's a struggle. They have to overcome. They have exactly. to work for it. So. The alignment is a guideline rather than a script. So it's not like you have to always follow this path in order. You can improv. You can you can find a diverging path and go with that. It works. That's the point. You mind those differences. But there's also the reverse, which is somebody working towards lawful good. And if they work towards lawful good to work towards the ideal of Superman, it's actually quite fun to write. That makes sense. I think. Yeah, well, I think so too. Uh yeah, so, um, let's see, I'm trying to think. Is there anything else we need to talk about in terms of writing lawful good? Any more tips, No, I've already said my piece. You got anything? Nope. All right, so... We'll move on to lawful... Ne- no, no, excuse me. Neutral good. Yes, these are just the guys that try to do... Like, as we said last time, these are the guys that just do good just for the do good. So, these are the, probably the easiest to write uh, out, of, yeah. out of all the good ones, so... Well, I mean, if Actually, you look at somebody yeah. who's lawful neutral, they view themselves as both honorable and realistic. Sometimes, um, excuse me, we're not talking about lawful neutral. Yeah, right well, now, why do you right? keep My going fault. down there to lawful neutral? We're going to go- neutral good. We're going to neutral good. I'm sorry. I'm following the wrong axis. <laughs> neutral good people view themselves as practical and humane. So they're still good to other people, but, you know, if the law doesn't allow them, but it makes common sense for them to do, they'll do it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think these guys are the easiest to write off all of them just because they're just naturally good guys. They just do good and they don't worry about it. Like, these are the heroes. These these are like the, the typical heroes. The, you know, like these are the Luke Skywalkers, the Frodo Baggins. We'll get to that, but... <laughs> these are the ones... Um, 
But for neutral good, why is it why is it a good alignment? Why is it they're good capable of doing they're doing they're capable of doing good, quote unquote good, without a bias for or against order. Yes. It can be bad because sometimes this means that they're advancing mediocrity as a concept because they're limiting the actions of the truly capable people. Right. I don't really think we need Mitch tips on how to define, like, how to write this, I don't think. It's it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. Uh, but that's why I wanted to say, speak my piece before we went away from it. Of course. <laughs> uh, that's what I think I said. Uh, their motivations. Their motivations, benevolence, and universalism. Right. Like, these are... These are just, just just good guys. Just just guys on this you want to hang out. The guys you want to have a beer with, you know. Guys, you just they're. I honestly, I the honestly, the guys who would probably you get you that a they're beer, the heroes. Buy it up for you. You're, they, you mentioned that they're the heroes, but honestly, I would kind of have more fun casting them as the secondary guys. Yeah, you know, that's true too. These, in yeah. fact, actually in Megazoic, I think uh, Belar, the, the the main best friend of the main character, is this. While Cortan will like he's chaotic good. Well, I was kind of what I went for him. And you notice that with those three uh, main characters that you span all of good, and so their relations to each other is kind of it includes that. Well, that's why I had work, a lot of so. fun with the third Megazoic book, Me- Hunted Ones, buy on Amazon.com, ding. <laughs> but, ding. Second time. Um, that um, because the struggle was between uh, Cortan and Quinn. Now, Bellar is Cortan's best friend. Caught in the middle. But also Quinn's boyfriend. And they're really boyfriend serious. Or hu- like he wants to marry. Her. Oh, okay, still boyfriend, right? Sorry, I had to I had to remember that. What? Sorry, I had to remember what stage their relationship was at. Yeah, no, they're... I didn't say anything how whether it ended up. Yeah, no, it's, it's it's serious at this point. So Bellar is really really struggling in this book too. Seeing the two, caught, the two caught in the middle. He's two these two dinosaurs. I don't say people, but these two dinosaurs. They care. He cares oh. about the most against each other. Would that be a Freudian slip, my friend? <laughs> yeah, basically just more proof that the humans and dinosaurs are closed. But... Yep. Anyways, uh, so we don't really have any tipperoonies for neutral good because they kind of write themselves. They're inherently nice people, and so there really aren't too many problems to work with. Obviously, their relations to other people yeah, that's, are where you can find that's conflict. interesting. Like that that kind of thing to me. That's the interesting part. Like, a lot of these are interesting, so, you know, too, with just how they relationship with other characters, how they relationship. Well, sure. I mean, obviously, that that's the point. Contrasting them against other aligned characters is where you can mine more story drama. So, go for it, in your own words. Yes. Speaking of going for it, can we go on? <laughs> going for it. And speaking of going for it, no matter what, well, I guess we're talking about... <laughs> these are so forced. <laughs> <laughs> Now you know how I feel. Oh, that's great. I love it. Chaotic good. Ah, <laughs> uh, chaotic good. How do you write chaotic good? They're, they're just they do what they want. They do as they please. I think it's probably the biggest struggle between this is trying to find the the line, the difference between chaotic good and chaotic neutral or evil. Even it's just like if you have a character who just does whatever they want, it could end up going. I suppose. I suppose if it if you want to help with that i would say that good and evil is kind of the difference between uh being good or neutral is is more your thing is what you what your intention is yes what your intention is the way you go about it is between law and chaos right you're like these so if you're so if you're aiming for the good of multiple people 
be they dinosaurs, animals, or otherwise, that theoretically you're, you're a good character and you just happen to go operate outside the law. Yeah. But if you're chaotic neutral, you're doing what's more in your own interests and not for the good of anyone. That's true. Particularly, unless it's yourself. Like, yeah, the chaotic goods are the people who, like, they, they're like, they're not, they're like, whatever, whatever, what, I don't care what the rules are, I'm doing what's right. This is what has to be done. One thing that's good about this alignment, by the way, is they combine a good heart with a free spirit. Yes. So their their intentions are pure, their, me their methods may be a little questionable yes. in some cases. Their choices, they have to make really hard choices. So try and get into the meat of that choice. Why are they going this way? Is it something that's natural for them, or do they really struggle to make it happen and live with the consequences of that? I think chaotic new good is, is, it's a pretty, there's a lot of different things you can do with it within this one thing. Like, in one end, you got, like, the Robin Hoods, the guy who have a purpose in doing what they do. Uh, but on the other hand, you could have just, like, the fairies who are just like, wee, I do what I want, wee, and it's fun, I don't care what you do, but it's wee, you know, it's, it's two different characters within the same alignment. True. Uh, one thing I do want to mention here, because uh, we're kind of talking about a little bit more about degrees. With the grid, it's pretty straightforward. You've got a 3x3 three three set up, and the alignments are basically cardinal directions, if you will. Yes. There are other models for the alignment chart, and one of the ones I saw that I really liked was uh, Ring. I mentioned it last episode as well. I already mentioned earlier, I think, too. The Ring model talks about it as if you can, you know, well, walk around the clock between alignments, right? right? Where does true neutral fit on that, though? True neutral's in the center. Right, but I guess you can't go through it on a ring, though, but... No, you can't go through it on the ring, but you can, you know, you can go towards true neutral within an alignment. Okay. Does that make sense? Because it's a full circle, so, then. Like, okay. It's not... Yeah, it is, it is a full circle. It's not necessarily... It's not like a helix. It's not, it's not an it's, outline. It's... it's the full circle. Okay. No, it's the full circle. Got it. So the ring around the center and the center is included. However, there are degrees. And so even in a grid form, there are like, there's one I saw, it was literally like eight by eight or something. And there are shades of neutral towards good, good towards chaos, uh, you know, that, those kind of intermediate steps. Yeah. And so there's a lot of, you know, play in them if you so want. And this is why characters even within a same general alignment aren't identical characters, right? Right, exactly. So, you know, don't be afraid to explore the betweens. Particularly with somebody who's f who wants to act of their own accord. There's a lot of room for chaos, for inserting that into conflict. Yeah, like I said, these are... Like between Quen and Cortan, he chose to do something that made the relationship harder because of what he did but he had his justification yes he, he said this she is he had her justification for her her point of view as right well. this is like this is he's like this is what needs to be done and then she's like this is what needs to be done but yet they're lawful good versus chaotic good so right motivations for a chaotic good character universalism and self-direction yes i i'd argue that these are most of the people that tend to be superheroes because uh, vigilantism is generally plays a lot into being a superhero, and that's inherently well, unlawful. Now, of course, like Superman, vigilantes, anti-heroes, but not all superheroes are. Chaotic. Obviously, like Superman is lawful, but like there's a lot of. 
Captain America. Yeah, and Captain America and such. Yeah. Well, well for, except for, for in time. Civil War, where he literally. Breaks well, no, the... but but that's but that's that's the thing though. As I was about to say, he starts out as a lawful good character, but then he you know works his way towards questioning: Is the law truly right? Yeah, I think yeah, it's interesting. Are they are they telling me if is what they're telling me really like the way to go, or should I explore my own avenue? And so even across the MCU and related comic book projects, he's been challenged put through the ringer in that respect and his alignment has you know inevitably kind of altered well in the, so, in the again, same way iron man started off as like i'm doing this for me like uh, i i i don't care what shield says i don't care what the government says this is my thing i'm a showboat i putting stark on a big fat tower with the name shining bright this is me i'm iron man deal with it bitch <laughs> and then <laughs> And then... You know... <laughs> well, even if you consider just the change in Tony Stark before he becomes Iron Man. Right, exactly. To when he has to make... When he's, and that's why it's when consistent, that, yeah. Because, like, what happens... When both, that action puts him in the suit, you know? He f- learns the consequences of his actions. That's what drove him to be Iron Man, but that's what drove him further from going from chaotic good to more neutral good. I think both Captain America and, and, and Iron Man go into neutral good. Starting from opposite ends, though. Right. Because, like, by the end, uh, Tony is all about, I gotta pay for my actions. This is what has to be done. I, I, I messed up. I gotta help it be held accountable for myself. He's aware of his it own faults. It feels natural. I love it. It's great. <laughs> it is. They don't... I, I mean, like, seriously, I cannot... We, we talk about the MCU all the time on this podcast, but, like, seriously, over the long form, what they've been doing with these characters is so brilliant because it is directly affected by what they choose and what happens to them well like i just think it's fascinating like they 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 have these plans but they also can this is kind of how i write too but they can change them a little to suit things like when spider-man came in they put it in perfectly with tony's arc when Tony's like, I need to be held accountable. I need to figure out what I need to do. Oh, here's this kid. So here's a kid. To I take can care mentor of. him to be what I <laughs> want to be that I wasn't, but you can be. What, what I wanted to be? You mean? Yeah. What I what I want to be now is what I want oh, this kid okay. to be. It's not what I was, but I he can be better than me. He doesn't have to go through what I did to get here. Yeah. They fit it in better, perfectly. Better than me is the big one. Yeah. And it's great. No, absolutely. I mean, he's he's a wonderful, wonderful character in the MCU, which obviously has a lot of good movies. We we talk about them uh, I, probably, I probably, probably quite much. a bit too much. Uh, <laughs> I, I watch other movies. I read books occasionally. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if I want to read one that I, I read earlier, read, look at the last episode, uh, Defining the Alignment System. I was about to say what well, we what well, we will rip off from this. From that but anyway, let's go ahead and move on from the good characters then to the lesser good characters but not fully evil either and those are the in-betweens the neutrals yes these are a little bit more difficult i think just because it's kind of hard to define what's neutral and what's not something like it's uh, the world isn't black and white but a lot of it's so easy to view it that way and convert and therefore it's so easy to write it that way it is so but it's harder to you know create shades Exactly. Of what is right and wrong. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read something from my notes here. 
about neutral on both axes, both uh, morally, that's on the good evil slider, and ethically, which is on the law of chaos one. So just just hear this of out course. and see if it helps you with your own with your own thoughts. Neutral people, morally neutral people, are only committed to those who have relationships with them. Yes. They won't kill innocent people, but they also won't make sacrifices on behalf of unfamiliar people. So those are morally neutral people. Right. Ethically neutral people have a normal respect for authority, you know, law versus chaos. They respect order, but they aren't compelled to follow it. Mm -hmm. They're generally honest, but they can be tempted to deceive others. Yes. You know, and so there's a lot of room for interpretation. There's a lot of room for adjustment. And that's why this op this alignment, well, this set of alignments is full of opportunities to challenge and grow your characters. Right. Obviously, people have motivations for whatever they are doing. Mm -hmm. And so trying to tap into that to understand why they are zigging while the rest of the world is zagging, why they're swimming upstream against <laughs> the current, you know, whatever it is, there's room for that. Yes. So get into the head of your characters and figure out why are they going against the grain? Yeah. And that, that's the fun part, honestly. Like, there, there's a lot of fun to be had it with is. this. Like, I like writing neutral characters. In fact... Uh, for Megazoic, a lot of people think Anra is their favorite character, and she's a, a lawful neutral character. Uh, we'll talk more about uh, we'll talk more about examples. I, I keep bringing up examples. Well. I'm getting ahead of myself. Stop. All right. <laughs> we'll I'll stop doing it. So professional. <laughs> All right. So yes. So first off, I got lawful neutral. How do you write these judges? These juries? These Super serious, straightforward cops. Uh, the term is jurors, to be precise. Ah, but right. yes, um, <laughs> you know, I think I think the way to write them is that they have a, a questionable. They they have questionable methods at times, but they are committed to what is stated as law. Yes. Uh, so like. Cops are, and I, uh, not to get into police brutality stuffs, but obviously it's a thing. But like, think about cops that have to fire their weapons in the line of duty. Yes. If they happen to kill somebody, that doesn't inherently make them evil. It just means that they're trying their best to uphold the law set for them mm -hmm. to follow. And so, while their actions aren't always understandable, could even be questionable, there's conflict in. Do they feel good about this? Do they really appreciate that they had to do what they did? They might be able to justify it, but it probably eats at them. And so there's a lot of potential for insecurity. Yes. This is um, uh, a director that I've read that really, really likes to write these kind of characters is Darren Aronofsky. Uh, he directed Black Swan. He directed Noah. He directed uh, Requiem for a Dream. He directed... All these kind of artsy sort of movies. It's kind of funny. Every so often, he's on the up in the running to do a superhero movie. I think he's interested in doing one. He was going to do the Wolverine. He was going to do Man of Steel, but for whatever reason, he didn't do it. <laughs> so, uh, but he loves writing characters that have a purpose. They have a drive, and they go forth to do it. And it's and how far do they go? It can sometimes consume them. It can right. it can drive them mad. They don't like what they're doing sometimes, but like this is what has to be done. 
Like they could, they can't stop because the wheels are already in motion. Like in in Noah, for instance, uh, you know that he depicts Noah as this ca- character who's driven by God to do this, and he gets and he commits bad things sometimes because that's what he thinks he's like. He gets a really bad relationship with his son because his son, he falls in love while he's running away from his family. He falls in love with this girl from from the empire the bad empires right that they can't save yeah yeah exactly so he tries to take her along but she she let he lets her die and his son never forgives him for it but and it drives him crazy but that's what he said this is what i have to do so it's a really interesting sort of thing it is and obviously um with with neutral characters the way the way that they get there doesn't always make sense to people who don't share the same ideas. Mm-hmm. So they're probably, I mean, not only are they questioning themselves, but they probably don't fit in terribly well with large social groups because they don't cleave one way or another, yeah. except to the law, except to what they're expected to do, what they're trying to do. Right. So, you know, that's that's something that you can... I use I, in writing those characters i don't think I, i'd be very good at writing these type of characters because i just i don't know I, fe- I feel uncomfortable sometimes making characters do things especially the main characters because for me i want to make sure that we're root for these people like and it's sometimes it's difficult for me to know sure. what to do that but for other people it's interesting and i get that i get exactly why well i suppose i suppose that it depends how much you establish their motivations for mm-hmm. it like if somebody has to be killed, as long as there's a justifiable reason that won't damage the reputation among the audience, there's no reason you can't have that action happen. But if you don't explain it, then they might shy away from trusting or caring about this character because he'll just willfully off somebody for like next I to think no explicable. These reason. would be characters. I think the best way to write these kind of characters are make, like, make them someone you can root them for. And if you if they do questionable things. Write it in a way that they may, that the viewer or the reader can understand why they did it. Yes. Even if they might not agree with yes. it, they understand. They don't have to. They don't have to agree per se because it might not be in the, that particular reader's capability to appreciate. But such that it is understood. Yes. In the context of why he, why that character acted that way. Mm-hmm. So anybody can do it. I mean, it takes practice. Yes, of course. Of course. That's it's, it's interesting. This has gotten real serious. Here, yeah. hold on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna enact Matt's the next segment. Matt picks a booger. Mm. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> for more on that, we already ran that. For more on that, we're in the same episode, so we can't even reference. Wait, it. didn't we do that last episode? <laughs> I don't. Know. No, we just did it this one because we were looking for a segment. Remember? Oh, that's right. I don't remember. I'll find out in editing. <laughs> oh I believe God. you, but I also don't believe you. Lawful, neutral. lawful neutral, <laughs> lawful neutral. Why the? Why is it the best alignment? They're reliable and honorable without like being overzealous. Yes, one way or another. Sounds so, good. Intriguing there. All right. So All right. Shall we move on. To Let's move on to true episode? neutral. Yes, please. Which is true neutral. So these. Oh guys. wait, sorry. These guys. Uh, okay. Yep, go ahead. These guys. <laughs> I don't know how to write them. It's difficult. 
They're, they're just animals, basically. They're just people who... Well, I was, I was about to make the joke, why don't you just write animals? They're true neutral. <laughs> I, I'm just trying to... I'm struggling to... Oh, wait. You did already. And you put you put humans well, in dinosaur actually, scales. Well, actually, I have a character I think that follows with... I think for, for me, personally, to write these characters, they're definitely side characters, and they're definitely ones that are in a group that just kind of tag along... Because they're just kind of there. They're just there. Yeah, <laughs> I have characters I think that are like this. Like you breathe, they breathe space. They breathe in the space, but they don't really like. Like if they weren't in this to... group, they would do nothing. <laughs> well, they might. They might not be missed. Is also possible. Right. I suppose. <laughs> or they might be. Uh, one might like one their, thing. One thing is interesting though. <laughs> one thing. One thing is interesting though. I. I apologize i mentioned that i would read the work on motivations for this character they skipped a couple i'm not going to go back now oh, but okay. one thing about true neutral though that is fascinating because this motivation thing is superimposed over the ring model the circle model yeah that true neutral is in the center and it holds to form that literally any of the 10 motivations as classified by this psychologist schwartz could be possible Makes sense. <laughs> so, yeah, right, exactly. And so while it seems kind of confusing, it's actually kind of liberating right. as a writer because you could literally have them do anything <laughs> and it would work. Well, I guess... They're the ultimate sandbox character. Well, I guess if they did an evil thing, the justification would be like, I didn't know it was evil, I was just doing whatever. Or it could be for uh, pleasure, like the the one of the one of the motivations is called hedonism. Yeah, I was gonna say like something like that. Yeah, it could be because they want to do it. It could be for a, it could be for seeking power. Yeah, which is something that you know you don't always need unless you're trying to. I, it's more associated with evil anyway. Right. I, and so it could be any of the 10 motivations. I haven't read the 10 motivations. Go look it up yourself. <laughs> I gave you the website already. <laughs> We're so if good. they aren't mentioned here, there are, there, there are others. Just I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> uh, true neutral characters. The thing that's great about them, though, they act instinctually. There's no prejudice or compulsion. They think about what they're going to do, and it makes sense for the moment, so they do yes. it. But they didn't have to do it one way. They could do it any number of ways. And so, as I said, it's kind of liberating. No, it's not necessarily easy to write them. But, you know, every character starts here until you choose a different alignment. That's actually probably a good way to put it. Like, I think a lot of characters I write uh, as true neutral, I end up writing that way on accident. <laughs> they just are what they are. I mean, here's the problem with true neutrals, though. They represent apathy, indifference, and more than anything, a complete, utter lack of conviction. Yes. Because they aren't drifting between good and evil; they're in the middle. They aren't drifting between law or chaos. They're, they're. Excuse me, I'm saying this wrong. They are drifting freely between good, evil, law, chaos. They don't stay anywhere. Yes. They are enigmas, aren't they? They are. Thanks for using my terminology. <laughs> I, I, forgot, I actually <laughs> forgot that was your terminology. I was just like, yeah, comment here. <laughs> that was that was the one I came up with. Not oh, well, the, good job. Easy, Thomas. Uh, I, Thank I you. I must agree with that because I, I used it without even realizing it. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> um, no, but anyway. Um, uh, however, however, one thing to keep in mind about true neutrals. They may not know if things are good or evil, follow law or... <laughs> 
you know, purport chaos, but they have a reason for yes. it. True neutral characters view themselves as practical and realistic, both of which are desirable qualities. They make choices based on what seems sensible and possible. Not going too crazy, not getting too heavy-handed. They just do. Mm -hmm. For example, um, I quoted this in the first episode of the set, so go listen to episode 30, explaining the alignment system. Ding! Ding! <laughs> Time three about the quote about animals but here's the here it is again not the quote but just animals in general obviously animals don't necessarily have the higher intelligence that humans are capable of they are excluded from the moral understanding of right or wrong so everything they do is just done to survive to be whether it's eating other animals, whether it's attacking humans that piss them off, whether it's doing things, it's not because they are inherently evil creatures or inherently good. They just are. Right. That makes so you know these characters. These characters are all start in the center unless you direct them to a different place on the grid, on the ring, whatever model you prefer to look at. These characters exist. Yes. And from there, you choose if you want to move them through what they do, through what they, you know, experience over the course of your tale, or if they truly stay neutral. Yes. Which shows an utter lack of commitment and makes them, you know, not to not to be too heavy handed, but it makes them an agent of chaos <laughs> because you don't know if they'll act. Even though they're not chaotic. <laughs> they're not as chaotic, but they're also unpredictable. Yes. We will get to chaotic. But their reasoning is sensible. <laughs> However, speaking of chaotic, <laughs> we'll do that next week. Yes, time. well, this is it for this <laughs> week. Wait. If you want more, wait a week. Uh, <laughs> or listen to them all at once. You know, when it's all over. Do what you do. So, wait for the entire month to be over and them all to be uploaded so you can straight you go through straight I mean, that's basically, I mean, I don't know why, you, that's basically our old format. If you want to follow that, I guess good on you, but... <laughs> <laughs> but that's when we only had one release a month <laughs> yep and if people are just so used to that they have to wait a month even if there's new episodes available then I hopefully not everyone does Blitz that because the whole the reason why I'm doing this is trying to get more listeners trying to get more listeners <laughs> right so <laughs> more listener interaction would be nice and too and speaking of listeners yeah us. I had a segue you you fried forcing it online get out of here <laughs> anyway uh, i'm so tired it's only been two episodes of recording this i'm already tired <laughs> we can do this this is the first time we've attempted this we can do this power through it <clears throat> contact us at matt d with two t's matt at matthew donald creator if you have any questions for either co-host please tell us which name so we don't it's matthew donald you know, creator.com by the way did i not say you just that? said at matthew donald creator <laughs> I could have sworn it. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, you can go through your own email service at that email address, right, which right. is includes .com at the end, just to cover my bases. Or you can go through his website, use the Contact Us page. Yep, and if you want to follow me personally, I'm at Matthew Donald Creator on Facebook, at Matthew Donald 64 on Twitter, and Matthew Donald 64 on Instagram. Why 64? Because 64 seconds is the average amount of time I can babble on about dinosaurs before someone falls asleep or punches me in the face and shouts, ENOUGH! ENOUGH! 
It's like, well, so speaking of Sign Raptor, speaking of Lystrosaurus, did you know that Lystrosaurus was actually the one of the most common? Hey, this is this is where two twits talk about ridding and usually quite often dinosaurs and superheroes. Uh, we'll have more next week about the alignment system, but until then, I'm Matt David. I'm Matt Donald. See you next week. Get out Thanks of here. Thanks for listening. Guys. Keep writing. Bye. The Ridwee.